Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. So he said, I can't redeem it. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. And Boaz had to be jumping for joy. You know, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, although he despised the shame. You hear pastors say, what was the joy set before Jesus? Well, I think the joy was to please his father, but I think ultimately the joy was to know that all of us who are Christians in this room are gonna be in that community. I think the joy was to know that he was going to bring you back from the dead, if you will, into the land of promise, into heaven, and of course the millennial reign of Christ. The question before us is what would love do? Now scholars have pointed out that even though this is not exactly what's called the leveret uh, situation, and and I'll explain that in a moment, turn to Deuteronomy just a few books back. Deuteronomy 25, it has the spirit, the spirit of the Torah or the law, Deuteronomy 25 captured in leveret, Uh, uh, teaching is found here, although it's not exact. Let me explain. And you've probably run across this before in your Bible where if a woman was married and she died, it was the responsibility, or excuse me, the husband dies uh, of the woman. It was the responsibility for the next brother in line who was not married to marry the widow, especially, of course, if there were no children. And so he had to go ahead and and step up and marry her. And of course, when you think about it, um, this was more obligation. Is love always about feelings? Not necessarily. Agape love, agape love is is what we owe. We love him because he first loved us. Love is a feeling, no doubt, but love is much more than a feeling. You don't stop loving just because you don't feel it, right? Right? So many people say, I fell out of love. Well, fall back into it. I mean, if you can fall out of it, apparently you can fall back into it. And it's things that we can do. Uh, We have, as, as people who, you know, as the years go on, you have to keep the flame of romance burning in your marriage. You have to do some intentional things. Buy her some flowers every now and then, even when Hallmark doesn't require you to do so. (laughs) Can I get a witness? You show up with flowers, gentlemen, on days when it's not required and you're not under pressure, you will do well. (laughs) Open the door for her. When she enters uh, enters a room, stand up. She won't know who you are and what's happened to her husband. Why are you standing? Because you entered the room. What? (laughs) This is the stuff of love. And love is, is a decision of the will. Right? We don't always feel like doing things. You don't always feel like reading your Bible. I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like dying on the cross. All of his senses in terms of his humanity, and he was 100% human, he didn't want to deal with the cross, the shame And all that went with it, not to mention the sin of the world placed on his shoulders. Deuteronomy 25 says these words, look at verse five. When brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, 
The wife of the deceased, 25.5 Deuteronomy, shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. This is called leveret law. And it shall be, it just means brother-in-law, by the way. And it shall be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the name of his dead brother. This is to carry on the name. It's the idea of redemption still, that his name may not be blotted, blotted out from Israel. But if the man does not desire to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate of the elders, and here's the gate again, and say, my husband's brother refuses to establish a name for his brother in Israel. He's not willing to perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. And the elders of his city shall summon him and speak to him. And if he persists and says, I do not desire to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the sight of the elders, pull his sandal off of his foot, and spit in his face. And all God's people said, Amen. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just go ahead. Just hoik up a good loogie. <laughs> Sorry to gross you out. <laughs> Shapoom. Well, what's the meaning of this? <laughs> Sorry for that. I ruined some of your breakfast. But anyway, here, this is what the Bible says. Spit in his face, and she shall declare, thus it is done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. And in Israel, his name shall be called the house of him whose sandal is removed. Everybody go back to the book of Ruth. All right, what's going on here? Well, there was a, an obligation to step in and carry on the family name. This is what love is supposed to do. But if a man said, I refuse, I, I don't want to do this, then there was a ceremony, and it included a sandal and a spitting in the face. Now let's pick up the story in the book of Ruth as we see what unfolds. Now, Ruth 4.7, this was the custom in former times in Israel. So the writer's telling us this is how they used to do things. Concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter, a man removed his sandal and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, the other potential uh, suitor or redeemer, he said, buy it for yourselves, and he removed his sandal. Now in the Bible, the sandal or footwear was a symbol of ownership and dominion. In fact, uh, Abraham was told, told, at this point he's Abram in Genesis 13, to go on walkabout, as the Australians say, walk about the land, and everywhere where your foot treads is yours. And so Abraham walked around, and everywhere his sandal hit, if you will, he had dominion over that area. It was his land. When the Jews would go through a different land, like a Gentile land or even Samaria, they would wipe the dust, remember, remember? off of their sandals. They said, we don't even want that dust sticking to our sandals. And Jesus said, if you go into a town and that town won't receive you or the gospel message, just wipe the dust off your feet in protest. My grandmother used to do this when she would go to a store and she would be unhappy about the service. She would stop at the doors and I was a little kid with her and she would say something like this in her Italian way. I will never shop at this store Again! And I'd be going, Grandma, don't tooth Grandma! Protest. And then she would take her shoe. <laughs> and I told you my grandmother had that special shoe. <laughs> it would hit the checker on the head. She'd put her back in her holster. Anyway. So 
So the taking off of the sandal, they would do it formally in this way. They would say, one, two, unbuckle my shoe. <laughs> Three, four, hit the door. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not how they did it. So something like this, here's my shoe, buy it for you. They would hand the sandal off, and that would be the formal way. And the witnesses would watch this transaction. It's almost like if you sign documents kind of thing. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, verse 9, you are witnesses today that I've bought uh, from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Malon. Those are the two dead sons. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon. So we, we understand now Ruth was married to Malon to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance so that the name of the deceased may not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my Witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Isaiah 43.10, God says to Israel, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that you may know me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be one after me. I am the Lord. You are my witnesses. You are my witnesses. And here the elders of the city become the witnesses to this uh, transaction of redemption. And all the people who were in the court and the elders said, we are witnesses, 11. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Afratha. That means fruitful. Bethlehem is all, often called Bethlehem Afratha. And become famous in Bethlehem. Did they become famous in Bethlehem? You all know the story of Boaz, don't you? You know the story of Ruth? How many of you know the name of this potential kinsman redeemer who bailed and said, no, no thank you, took off his sandal? Is he ever named in the story? No. He refused to do what he was supposed to do, and of course God's providentially over the whole thing, but when we refuse to do what we're supposed to do, do you think we can write ourselves out of the story? Do you think that some people write themselves out of the story? I know God's sovereign, I know he's... His providential hand is all over this, but he, we do have free will, don't we? And I don't know always how all this works with the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, but this man said no. We don't even know his name. We don't know his family's name, but we do know Boaz. We do know Ruth. And indeed, they became famous in this place called Bethlehem. When you look at the mention of uh, Rachel and Leah, it's quite an interesting story because from Jacob, who is renamed Israel, he has 12 sons and a daughter named Dinah. And uh, they come from four different women, by the way. The nation of Israel comes from four different women, two wives and two uh, women who were concubines are brought in to bear children. And Leah was the sister who was unloved, but she was, she was able to be fruitful. And Rachel, who was... His true love, Jacob's true love, was what? She was barren. And she was only able to have two children. And one of them was named Joseph. God has added is what his name means. And the other son was Benjamin, son of my right hand. You are listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro. And... 
I know what you're thinking. Wait, why are you interrupting Pastor Michael's sermon? Well, I have a good reason. Since Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported program, it relies on donations from people just like you to stay on the air. And trust me, you can't always assume that someone else is going to be the one doing the donating. So if God has blessed you through our ministry, we'd encourage you to go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Let's face it, the way the world's going these days, we need all the solid teaching we can get. So partner with us today. That's livingtruthradio.org. Now, back to Pastor Michael. This is, the, this is the story of, you know, they're saying, may your house be built up in this direction. May there be patriarchs and leaders that come from your house, God has added. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. If you've read the story, and I won't go over it right now, this was a, another sordid scene. If you want to read it for your devotions this week, read Genesis 38 where Judah is supposed to give a son to Tamar and the, the sons keep dropping like flies and then one of the sons is not willing to do what he's supposed to do and then dad, his wife dies and then he ends up sleeping with her but he doesn't know that it's her. Oh my goodness, the Bible. This is the Bible. And then she gets pregnant and he wants to kill her but then he finds out that, he, that he's the one who did it to her and oh my goodness and on it goes and out of this comes... A blessed child. <laughs> I mean, you're like, okay. So from our messes, we don't, here's the application. We don't always do things right. This room is filled with people who don't always do things right. And sometimes we get ourselves in trouble. Don't multiply the problem by creating another problem. God can redeem a situation. We, we talk in these terms. Is there any way that God can redeem this? Yes, he can. But if you make a mistake, let him in to clean up the mess. Amen? Well, then the women said to Naomi, so now, uh, oh, verse 13. So, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive. Apparently up to this time she was barren like a lot of the women of Israel, Sarai, Rebecca, Rachel. And she gave birth to a son. And then the women said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today and may his name become famous in Israel. The child was born and all of a sudden there's talk of a redeemer. Have you noticed there's multiple redeemers in this chapter? And the latest one who's being, uh, you know, God is being praised over this one. His name is going to be called Obed. And by the way, he's a baby born in Bethlehem. Hmm. And all of a sudden, there's talk of a redeemer. And Naomi is, is the, they're lauding the Lord, but they're saying, blessed is the Lord. Man, you thought the Lord was against you. He's for you. He's not left you without a redeemer. You have a grandson. Aren't grandchildren grand? How many grandparents are in this room? All right, I read somebody this week who said, the grand thing about grandchildren is it's grand when they come and grand when they leave. <laughs> Is it true? I'm not a grandparent yet. I'm not trying to rush anything. <laughs> but grand when they come and grand when they leave. And I've heard that you grandparents have secret stashes of sugar <laughs> to put into these children, then to send them home by trying to accomplish some means of retribution. <laughs> we totally understand where you're coming from. 
May he, also this little redeemer, be to you a restorer of life, a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Man, the town was going, oh, God has been good. You were a mess when you came into the house of bread, Bethlehem. You came in and you said, I left full and I've returned empty. You didn't even pay attention to that, Ruth the Moabitess. You dismissed her and she has become to you better than seven sons. Seven is the number of what? Perfection. Sons were celebrated because in an agrarian culture, they could help bear the load of work and so forth. And she, this, this woman that was dismissed, this woman that seemed like she was nothing, just an add-on, walking back into town, has become the vehicle by which God has poured out blessings, restored your life, and sustaining your life. Sometimes we feel dismissed. We're last picked for the team. Uh, you know, nobody remembers our name. We're not thought of. We feel like we're just kind of a fly on the wall, just, a, just another person, another face in the crowd, and then God changes our story. And he gives us these, this ability to speak into people's lives, hope and redemption. God restores the years that the locust has eaten, Joel chapter 2. He restores it back to us. Jesus, of course, the ultimate picture of this is the restorer of life. He's the sustainer of everything, the universe and us. He sustains us through every season of life. And Ruth, of course, someone who nobody would think would be a hero of the Bible has become quite a hero indeed. And then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap. She's silent. There's no words recorded here in the Bible uh, from her, but we could understand how she felt and became his nurse. She adopted him probably in some informal sense. And the neighbor women gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. You remember when she walked into Bethlehem, the women were all standing there. We kind of wondered if they were gossiping. Or Now the, the women of the town say this. They, they said, a son has been born to Naomi. Picture Naomi with the child in her lap. When you're a grandparent and you look at that baby for the first time, I got a funny story. When Shane was born, you know how they wrap a little, the little baby really tight? And uh, so I brought Shane out to my mother-in-law. Her name is Anne, and she comes here. And she, said, she told me later that when she first looked at Shane, she thought he had no legs <laughs> because he was wrapped so tightly. <laughs> and do you know how sometimes they open up the blanket and boing, the legs just come out? Anyway, so that's something that you know, now know about Shane. <laughs> uh, anyway. So they said, a son's been born to Naomi, so they named him Obed, he is the father of Jesse. Oh, would you take a look? The father of David. Now, Obed in the Hebrew means that this kid did not like going to bed. <laughs> what, you guys don't believe that? <laughs> I know, I, I thought about it. Should I, should I not? And then I usually defer to I should. <laughs> And I'm sure you guys are all learning that, right? But kids, when they're growing up, oh, bad, oh, bad. And then we quote the Bible, Goliath down. It's Goliath. Anyway, never mind. And so, and you have this battle with your children. And then when you get older, you go, oh, bad. So, there you go. That's not what his name means, by the way. So, it has nothing to do with what we're saying. His name means servant, which is awesome. And so he is now in the family line of David, 
the great king of Israel. The book of Ruth said in the time of the judges, the last verse of the book of Judges said there was no king in Israel and everybody did what was right in his own eyes. Anarchy, uh, confusion, political anarchy, religious depravity. And the king is gonna be born. And just so you guys know, we're gonna move to 2 Samuel on Sunday mornings and we're gonna look at this king and watch his life. Now, these are the generations of Perez. We end with a genealogy. To Perez was born Hezron. To Hezron was born Ram. To Ram, Aminadab. To Aminadab was born Nashon. And to Nashon, Salmon. To Salmon was born Boaz. And to Boaz, Obed. To Obed was born Jesse. And to Jesse was born David. Now, would you all turn to the book of Matthew? We will finish here. Matthew chapter one. The book of Matthew opens with a genealogy. Sometimes it seems somewhat disinteresting and we can just pass over it until we see a connection. And here's the connection. And I just wanna say this, and I'm sure you're all seeing it, but I'll just say what I think uh, it has just appeared before us, that when God is writing your story, he's not just writing it for the immediate five or 10 years. This story is about generations to come. Could uh, Boaz, Ruth, and Naomi in their wildest imaginations thought that God was gonna turn what was totally dark and evil and turn it together for good, not only for the joy of a grandson, which I'm sure in their immediate lifetime was awesome, and a caretaker and, and the redemption story, but one that would lead to King David and ultimately lead to one who was called the son of David. In fact, the rabbis often just called him David, uh, or uh, the, at least the, the idea of the Messiah. He would be called the greater David uh, when he came. And remember, blind Bartimaeus and others would say, have mercy on me, son of David, have mercy on me. And here's how God weaves the tapestry. You pick up the book of Matthew. Take a look at verse three. To Judah were born Perez, one, three, and Zerah by Tamar. And to Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron, Ram. To Ram was born Aminadab, and to Aminadab, Nashon, and to Nashon, Salmon. To Salmon was born Boaz by Rahab, interesting. And to Boaz was born Obed by Ruth, and to Obed, Jesse. And to Jesse was born David, the king. And to David was born Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Now go down to uh, verse 21. And she, as all of this is unfolding and the angel is bringing uh, perspective and uh, assuring, he says, she will bear a son. And you shall call his name, this one who comes from the line that we just read about. His name shall be called, what? Jesus. Jesus means Yahweh saves, or we could put it this way, Yahweh redeems. A redeemer is coming. His name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. And it is he who will save or redeem his people from their sins. Now all this took place, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet may be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. 
If the praise team could hear my voice, come on up. I end with a song by Keith Green. Many of you know it. There is a redeemer, Jesus, God's own son, precious lamb of God, Messiah, holy one. Jesus, my redeemer, name above all names, precious lamb of God, Messiah, O for sinners slain. Thank you, O my father, for giving us your son and leaving your spirit till the work on earth is done. When I stand in glory, I will see his face. There I'll serve my king forever in that holy place. Thank you, O my father, for giving us your son and leaving your spirit till the work on earth is done. There is a redeemer, Jesus, God's own son, precious lamb of God, Messiah, holy one. Thank you, O my father, for giving us your son and leaving your spirit till your work on earth is done. In the book of Revelation, we can see um, the same idea that Jesus takes the title deed of the earth, we believe, in Revelation 5, and he begins to break the seals, and he's really consummating uh, the final redemption of the planet. And, and what what awaits us, Andy, is incredible stuff. Um, the planet's going to be renewed. We're going to have resurrection mm -hmm. bodies. We're going to have new heavens and a new earth. We're going to have some of your favorite imagery of the the lion eating straw and uh, the wolf and the lamb, no longer uh, arch enemies. And there will be peace on my holy mountain. And so thinking about the big picture, Andy, everything ties to redemption. Yes. Uh, this world, you know, it's going to be redeemed. And uh, when that redemption happens, it's already been paid for at the cross, but when it's consummated, it's going to be an incredible time of judgment, but then an incredible time of renewal as well that's coming. Yeah, I just think of just a term I'm sure we've all had heard that just that beauty from ashes. Mm. You know, we're, we're wretched, we're sinners, you know, but, but, but God sent his son, his redeemer for us to save us from our sin, from our damnation, so that we can be in, in eternity with him and, and partake in just this, these beautiful events that we see depicted at the end of Revelation that the Lord has set out for us. And I would just like to say to anybody listening now that, that doesn't have Christ in their life, that, that don't waste the opportunity that you're hearing of now. The, the Lord is coming and it says that he comes in the blink of an eye at, at any second. At, we don't know the day or the hour, he says. And, and so don't waste, don't waste the time as you drive or wherever you're listening to this. You know, the, the Lord has sent his son to die for you and he has died for you and your sins, you know, and so accept him into your life. Amen, Andy. I mean, that's the most important singular decision that anybody can make. And, you know, the idea of redemption means to purchase or to buy back. And, you know, you have to ask the question, well, what did, what did we have to be bought back from? And, and the truth is, from what we created ourselves, from the yeah. slave market of sin. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, Go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. 
You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.